It was fun. Just being in the locker room right there, it's a, it's a great environment to be in. Can't say enough how proud I am of everybody in the locker room. It's the way everybody keeps battling, keeps competing, putting on great performances like tonight. So um, it's a great feeling. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, we've gotten to the point in the NBA where free agency really isn't what it used to be. It wasn't that long ago, five, six, seven years. NBA free agency was, oh, it was like the best thing. Remember when Kevin Durant became a free agent and then went around and talked to different teams, decided where he wanted to go? LeBron James did this once upon a time, too, more than once with the Heat and then the Cavs again and then the Lakers, right? Remember when players in the NBA, and I know this is is ancient history, it's like trying to, to talk to someone and describe to someone what life was like before the wheel was invented. Like, yeah, NBA players used to hit free agency, and it was wild, and it was entertaining. And now NBA free agency, the offseason, eh, it's kind of overrated. It's kind of overblown. Not a lot happens. And I'm worried that this NFL offseason and this coaching hiring cycle is going to turn out to be a bummer. Like, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh. Mike Vrabel all available, Bobby Slowick uh, in Houston, and Ben Johnson in Detroit, all these awesome names. And Mike McCarthy was retained in Dallas, and the Bears retained Matt Eberflus, and the Eagles, at least it seems like it's trending towards them keeping Nick Sirianni. And Bill Belichick's going to end up coaching somewhere, but, you know, watch Jim Harbaugh just stay at Michigan. And watch Mike Vrabel. Like, I feel like Mike Vrabel's got to get a job. I feel like there's no way he gets a job. Or doesn't get a job. But I don't know. This coaching hiring cycle seemed like it was going to be incredible. And it seems like now maybe it's maybe it won't be. I also thought Sean McDermott at some point was maybe going to lose his job. And the Bills have now gone on a run. So every once in a while you get a job that opens where the quarterback is unbelievable. And I guess we have that with the Chargers. But the Chargers are they're the Chargers. So it's like, yeah, you get Justin Herbert and everything else is going to suck. <laughs> like that's the that's the job description. You get to come coach Justin Herbert. The con is everything else. I guess if you like the West Coast, you like Los Angeles, you get to live there. But I don't know. We're trending towards this coaching hiring cycle not being as exciting as we thought it was going to be. That's kind of a bummer. A lot is, is left to be decided, so I guess we'll sit and wait. But I don't know. I thought maybe the Cowboys or the Eagles job was going to come open. Maybe the Bills and, and maybe Jim Harbaugh comes back to Chicago. Ah, no. Going to get Matt Eberflus. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury. You'll like it. <laughs> That's all you're going to get. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The NBA offseason has been completely destroyed. And so is the trade deadline because now players, they can just ask for trades whenever. They can just switch teams whenever. And they can go, yeah, even under contract, they're basically free agents because they can just demand a trade basically wherever they want to go. Not always. They don't always get their way. But in this era of player empowerment, which I've pushed back on in the year 2024, somewhat facetiously but also somewhat seriously, I think we need to, I think we need to get back to the days of organizational power. Let's empower the execs, the organizations, just a little bit more. I mean, we've neutered the execs. We've neutered the organizations a little bit, but it's been an old man rant that I've been on. I, I can stop. We, we can move on. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Like I said, my name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome, awesome day. It's not as painfully cold outside. 
not to make small talk about the weather to begin the show, but like the last couple mornings, I have needed to go to the grocery store. Like I have had no food in my apartment, but I wake up and it's minus five. It's like, okay, so I'm going to have to leave my apartment, go start my car, drive to the grocery store, turn my car off, go in, come back out, turn my car on, go home, turn my car off, unload the groceries, get back in my car, turn it on, go to work. A lot of opportunities for my car to not start. I don't like that. So this morning, like, oh, it's 10 degrees. It's bearable outside. So I actually bought food and other supplies to keep myself alive. So today's been a good day, a productive day, an awesome Bill Michaels show. Earlier today, we got our preview with Mike Clemens before he travels out to the West Coast. So if you're missing Mike a little bit, you missed him on our our Tuesday show. We're not going to have him. Or are we going to have Mike tonight? Shoot, I didn't even. I need to text Mike. I know he's traveling. Uh, I didn't consider whether he'd be available tonight. We might get him tonight. But if not, he was on Bill's show earlier today. You can go catch that uh, in the podcast. No guests tonight. No calls. Just pure, unadulterated content. I have been slaving away for hours now to type out my takes, to type out different conversations that I wanted to have with all of you this evening. You can still join the show with a tweet. It's very simple. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can DM me too if that's what works better for you. But on Thursdays, we haven't been doing any calls. And I think it's a good situation because I think callers are a huge part of sports radio. I think every show should take calls on some level. But I understand that calls aren't for everybody. So Thursday gives an opportunity, a little little something for everyone throughout the course of the week. But I am on Twitter, and I would love to tweet back and forth with you during the show and interact. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. It is Thursday, uh, and we begin Thursday shows in the NBA Lounge. So that's what I want to do tonight. I really want to start the show with an NBA Lounge. There's the music. I want to start the show with the NBA Lounge, uh, but we can't because the Bucks don't deserve it, straight up. Uh, Again, last night, they just decided they didn't want to play basketball. Weren't interested. Couldn't be bothered to show up and compete in a basketball game last night. And I don't mean to just be the guy that rips on the Bucks all the time because it's lazy and easy. It is easy to rip on the NBA. It's a very easy target. Lots of people do it constantly in this in this job, sports talk, radio, TV. You know, the NBA is an easy target. I don't mean to be the guy that just rips on the NBA and rips on the Bucks. But like, what was the score at the start of the game? 22 to 2. Oh, so we're just not going to. We're not going to, okay, we're not going to play basketball tonight. All right, got it. So I didn't bother to watch past the first quarter because why would I last night? So I don't even really know what happened in the Bucks game other than they didn't show up. Uh, and then they spent the rest of the night trailing anywhere between 20 and, and 40 points somewhere in their really good basketball game. I would love to start with the NBA lounge, but our NBA team, the Bucks, they don't deserve it. So instead, I want to start by talking about the Packers offense. They've been red hot for the last two months pouring in points, scoring 30, scoring 40. They really should have scored a lot more than what they score against the Bears, 17, 18 points. They were a lot better on offense than the final score would indicate. So I know the scoring that week dropped and you give it up to the Bears too. They forced a fumble and they tightened up in the red zone a little bit. Packers also missed a field goal in that game. And, you know, they botched their operation before halftime, allowed the clock to expire. But that was also a really good play by the Chicago corner to bash Dontavian Wicks backwards out of bounds, keep the clock running. No matter which way you slice it, how you look at it, the Packers offense has been rolling, right? And a lot of media folks this week have been pointing out and drawing attention to, huh, finally got rid of Rodgers and look, finally they can run real offense. They can play real football and look at the scoring. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets catastrophe this year. Look at the Packers. They've overachieved. Their offense looks great. Matt LaFleur is living his best life and the Packers are fighting for a trip to the NFC championship game. 
right? And a lot of the Rodgers discourse this week, in my opinion, has been unfair. Like I was watching Colin Cowherd yesterday, the beginning, talking about how Rodgers this, Rodgers that, and he's got bad football IQ. That's what Cowherd said yesterday. Bad football IQ. Went to the Jets. No O-line. One good wide receiver. Defensive coach. Offensive coordinator that bombed at his last spot in Denver, Nathaniel Hackett. Losing franchise, tough division, tougher conference. He's got bad football IQ. Why would Aaron Rodgers go there? Well, I don't think that's really fair. The Packers moved off of Rodgers, not the other way around. Let's not get this twisted. Rodgers wanted to finish career with the Packers. I don't think he wanted to leave. The Packers were no longer interested in retaining him. And if you don't agree with me, or you don't believe those words, and I say them, go back and listen to what Brian Gudikin said. Go back and listen to Mark. What did Mark Murphy say when he was approached at the girls' state basketball tournament or his nephew's track meet or his cousin's swim meet, wherever he was, whatever amateur athletic event he was attending and, and reporters caught up with him, he's like, no, oh, no, we'd like to get this trade done. We'd like, no, we'd like to, we'd like to move on. And Brian Gudikin's tone changed dramatically this spring. He started pushing back on some narratives, some things that Rogers said publicly. Brian Gutekunst was like, oh, no, that's not true, which he didn't do the last couple of years. The Packers just kind of wore it. All the bad PR and all the comments made by Rogers and people in defensive Rogers. Packers just wore it. No problem. This year that stopped. They're like, Mm-mm, we're done. We're moving on. So the idea that Rogers made a mistake going to the Jets. Well, I think if Rogers had his druthers, he would have retired a Packer. And let's not act like there were three or four teams all vying for Aaron Rodgers services. There was no Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. It was basically just the Jets, which is why the Jets, you know, relative to some of these other teams, I know Deshaun Watson's younger and Russell Wilson's younger, but the Jets did not pay nearly the premium that the Broncos paid for Russell Wilson or the Browns paid for Deshaun Watson or even what the Rams paid for Stafford, right? It was a second round pick and a conditional pick that could be first or second the year after a lot less, a lot smaller of a price tag. Now Rodgers is older, but they also were bidding against themselves. There weren't a bunch of teams vying for the services of Aaron Rodgers. So he had to leave Green Bay because Green Bay didn't want him anymore. And it basically had to be the Jets because they were the only team that was in the mix to acquire Aaron Rodgers. So I don't really think that's fair. I don't think that's fair to put that on Rodgers. I also don't think a lot of the Rodgers criticism is fair because he got hurt. Right? He got hurt four plays into the year. Now, he stayed relevant and he stayed in conversations and partly his fault because he's going on McAfee and he's still creating headlines. But people treated Rodgers all season long like he's not hurt. They discussed him like this team wasn't built for him and the team isn't succeeding without him. He's like, oh, this Jets team that went all in on Aaron Rodgers and built around Aaron Rodgers. Can you believe they're not succeeding without Aaron Rodgers on the field? I don't know. A lot of the Rodgers takes have been disingenuous. And unfair to Aaron Rodgers. Say what you want about him. He's he's not my he's not my cup of tea right now. Mostly football wise, the last couple of years, like it wasn't working, right? And you can rip Rodgers for a lot of things. I I don't think the combustion of the twenty twenty three Jets is on him. Just like the Packers' offensive revival this year isn't all because he's gone. Maybe a little, or maybe a bit. And Nick Bosa made this comment on Monday, and I'm sure some of you heard this, but just for the sake of being comprehensive, covering all our bases here. This is where this discussion started earlier in the week. This was Nick Bosa talking about the difference between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. The whole team has improved throughout the entire season. They've gotten a lot of guys healthy, and and they have a lot of the same guys from the past really good teams they've had, and um, a quarterback who does exactly what he's coached to do, which 
Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and unbelievable, but he kind of went outside of the realm of, of coaching, and and uh, sometimes it's it's good when you have a guy who, who does what he's supposed to do. So, kind of a weird comment, right? He was asked about Jordan Love, and Nick Bosa was like, well, here's what Aaron Rodgers, here's what his issue was, <laughs> even though that's not what the conversation was about. Right, so Nick Bosa opened this bag of chips, and then yesterday, Adam Stenovich was asked about it. Adam Stenovich does not strike me as someone that is overly polished. Mostly says it how it is, right? And he did that earlier this year. What what was the thing he said? Oh, when he was asked earlier this year, remember when he was asked about Yash Nijman? And he said, well, some people are built for competition and some aren't. And everyone's like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's a little brutal. Adam Stenovich does not strike me as someone that minces words, which he's a guy with a background in offensive line the last couple of years that would seem to fit that personality kind of melds with his role and what his role has been. He might know he's an offensive coordinator this year, but his background is in O-line or has been the last couple of years. So Adam Stenovich was asked about this yesterday. It's like, hey, Adam, you know, maybe you saw what Nick Bosa said, but, you know, compare and contrast this year's offense with last year's offense, considering who the quarterbacks are and, and how you catered the offense to Aaron Rodgers versus now Jordan Love. Here's his really honest and really full answer he really spells it all out so here's adam stenovich from yesterday yeah no there definitely is a value to that um because half the time you know when you get done with a drive sometimes when in past years you'd just be trying to figure out what play was called you know what i mean um so now we know what, what was supposed to happen um but with aaron you know he would see stuff and make checks and all that that you didn't know exactly what was happening at the time but with this, yeah, the, we're all kind of on the same page and, and going. And not to say that way wasn't good because we had great results with it, but this is nice because at least you can kind of build an offense around it, build plays off plays, you know, as the game progresses. Hey, we did this, now we're going to do this, now we're going to do this. So I think our communication on the sidelines has been better just from that aspect of being able to, you know, as the game progresses, have plays off of plays and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that is a huge advantage. You know, it's funny. You watch his face. If you go on YouTube and you watch these media availabilities, he's got to look at the end. He's like, oh, I hope I didn't just, I hope I just didn't say too much, do too much. I hope I just didn't create a headline. Because that's all these coaches are trying to do when they go to the podium is avoid creating a headline, avoid creating a story, right? Football is such a schematic league right? Way more than the NBA, way more than major league baseball. And the NBA scheme matters a little bit. You have to run certain sets and certain, you know, ideas for certain players. Sure. Nothing like football, major league baseball. Yeah. You put the shift on and like there's some strategy with righty lefty and and certain analytical matchups, but football, football is such a schematic league. Like just in the last 10 years, Remember the read option just took over completely. It's like, wait, we can have the quarterback just run? Oh, my God. It broke football for like three or four years. Russell Wilson, Kaepernick, RG3, Andrew Luck a little bit even when he came into the league. Right, and then the last couple of years, defensively, what's been all the rage? Fangio's defense, too high. Right, forced the quarterback to dink and dunk, and now offenses are starting to figure that out a little bit. And your Brandon Staley, Joe Barry, Vic Fangio defenses aren't really faring as well because there are teams, there's droves of analysts and coordinators and coaches just pouring through film looking for a crack in the read option, looking for a crack in the Vic Fangio defense. Right, we're always adjusting from one thing to the next. 
these fads, they never last too long in the NFL because there's always someone scheming against you. There's always someone trying to figure you out. Such a schematic league. And offensive coordinators, they got a full week of prep and a full week of practice and a full week of install to watch film and to figure out we're going to do this and we want to do this to build this off of this. And then we have a full week of prep with an army of offensive coordinators and analysts with every franchise. You don't want to take advantage of that? Right? It's so hard to win in this league. And I say, <laughs> I say that not facetiously. You need to take advantage of every second and every resource possible. Right? So for an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback, been there, done that, to show up on game day is to be like, well, we're just kind of going to wing it. Right? I've seen a lot of football. I've seen a lot of things I can figure it out. Yeah, you, you can. And Rodgers did it with such success. You know, in 2014, him and Jordy were unguardable. And then later on with Devontae Adams, it was unguardable. Right? But I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I don't want my quarterback to have to carry all that on their shoulders. Like, I don't want my quarterback to have to be the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the quarterback. Right? It's just a lot. Imagine you're a lawyer. Okay? You're a real Harvey Specter type. Just whiz kid lawyer amazing lawyer and you got a big trial coming up someone someone's accused of murder and you got to defend them and they're innocent like there's stakes this is a huge trial you got to win this trial right and you have a full law firm behind you research paralegals whole team helping get you ready for this trial even if you're a great lawyer you want to take advantage of all of the muscle all the different resources behind you right even if you're the best lawyer in the world harvey specter type Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran put together a team. He had assistants. He had law, he had entire law firms behind him defending OJ. Right, Harvey Specter, Pearson Specter. He's got a whole firm behind him. Or I guess it would Pearson, Pearson Hard, Pearson Hardman. They changed a couple times. You, you get my point. Even if you're the best lawyer in the world, you want to take advantage of all of the the assistants and the lawyers working with you because you want every advantage possible. It would be dumb to just waltz into the courtroom, huge trial, and be like, I'm really good. I'll, I'll figure it out. No, you don't, you don't want to do that. So I, I'm not even making this an Aaron Rodgers thing. Running an offense week by week, and Adam Stenovich basically said it. It's just, it's, it's better, right? You can build a, a more complete, more specific, more comprehensive game plan on how to attack an opposing defensive coordinator, how to pinpoint weak spots on a defense and go after it, not just in the first quarter, but then later on, let's look at the iPad. Did this play work? Okay, well, well, we planned to maybe have this play ready, so now let's do this and that and the other thing. Like, yes, I want the whiz kid lawyer at the trial. I want the great quarterback who can see and recognize and think on the fly, but I also want that amazing lawyer, that amazing quarterback, taking advantage of all of the resources and all the help. The entire law firm, the entire offensive staff working to assist and to plan and to install and to scheme. You want to take advantage of everything. And I think Jason Vrabel, Adam Stenovich, Matt LaFleur, all these wide receivers, everyone is involved. There's a lot more muscle. There's a lot more thought going into these offensive game plans. And I think that's a big reason why Matt LaFleur in this offense, they just undressed Dan Campbell for four straight quarters. And I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers couldn't have done that. He basically did. And it wasn't Dan Campbell, but in 2016, went into Dallas and basically just drawn up plays in the dirt. And, and there's, a time and a place for that. But if you're trying to win multiple playoff games in a row against, against high level coordinators and coaches in the NFC, there's a lot of good coaches in the NFC. You need to take advantage of everything. And the way the Packers are operating on offense now, they're just getting more. 
right? Time is being used more efficiently. Resources, all of the brain power in the building is going towards the game plan and going towards the next opponent. And that's a good thing. And it's not necessarily anti-Aaron Rodgers. It's just the reality of where Jordan Love is. All these young players are. All these coaches are. It's working really well right now. And it was cool to hear Adam Stenovich speak about that yesterday. And if you're like, why does he got to throw Aaron Rodgers under the bus? Well, he was asked. He's not really throwing Aaron Rodgers under the bus. He's doing what you would want a coach to do. And the reporters asking that question are doing what you would want a reporter to do. Help us better understand what's going on. Help us understand why this offense is succeeding. Help us understand why Nick Bosa said what he said a couple of days ago. Anyone who's all all defending. I, I just spent five minutes defending Aaron Rodgers before we talked about this. Don't get your panties in a bunch. We can celebrate this year's team without needing to, to be critical and to make everything personal against last year's team and last year's quarterback. Let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show continues next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills i think uh i think mike clemens might have been listening to the beginning of the show because he texted me he said yep i'll, I'll send you some audio and we'll ch- we can chat at 5 30 it's been such a weird week and the packers schedule is off by a day so i didn't even realize when we started tonight's show it's like wait today's thursday we normally talk to mike on thursdays at 5 30 but mike's travel schedule is off too i think he leaves tomorrow for san francisco so we'll catch him at 5 30 that'll be great tonight uh, Mike Clemens will join us. A lot of great comments from players and coaches. And I, I've saved a lot of these comments to use tonight's show. I don't, I don't want to steal Mike's thunder. I'm sure he'll want to play some comments from Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur and Adam Stenovich, Joe Barry. Uh, so I, I, I try not to be too audio heavy because I like to save that for when Mike comes on because he can add more insight uh, and more wisdom to these clips than I can because he's there at the press conference. He knows specifically what Matt LaFleur is talking about when he references practice or when he references, you know, a dynamic in the locker room. No calls because it's Thursday, but you can tweet me if you'd like at Wisco Grant. I do have a show Facebook page that I should use more. Um, I've been saying that basically for the last three years, but you can message me on there too. It's just the Wisco Sports Show with, with Grant Bills. Bill asked me earlier today, the very beginning of the show at 10 o'clock. So this is the second day in a row I'm stealing content from Bill. Uh, not steal, stealing is a strong word. Repurposing, recycling, reduce, reuse, recycle. Very eco-friendly network here. He asked me earlier, are you getting more confident or are you getting more nervous as the game gets closer? And I told Bill, I'm as confident as ever about our Packers. About our team, specifically the offense, I couldn't be more confident. Why would we have reason to not be confident? We've watched them for the better part of two months now, light up every defense they've played, move the ball at will. Jordan loves slinging it. He's running the offense and he's executing plays and he's getting under center on early downs. They're using play action. It's great. He's also the last couple weeks to my pleasant surprise. And I I think just judging body language and, and vibes and comments from Matt LaFleur, I, I think it's taken Matt LaFleur by surprise a little bit too, how much he's creating off schedule here and there and making some of these plus throws, these creative throws outside of structure when the play doesn't originally work or when something unexpected comes up. I feel as confident as ever about our Packers offense, which is the driving force if they're going to win this game, right? They've been red hot for two months now. As we draw closer to Saturday, 
I get more nervous. I get more worried about San Francisco because it's it's all coming back to me. It's all it's all coming back to me. Like you ever you gone back to your high school since you graduated and you walk down the hall and you just you, you get into this trance where your eyes are open, but you're not really in reality. And you're just getting all these flashbacks of, you know, this time you got sh- stuffed in a locker and oh, oh that's the bathroom. I got a swirly and I, I didn't get shoved in lockers. I was too tall. Um, otherwise, maybe I would have. But you know what I mean, right? You go back to your high school and you're like, oh, it's all coming back to me now. As we get closer to a playoff game against the Niners, especially one on a Saturday night, it's all coming back to me. I'm like, oh, God, that's right. Shanahan is a really good coach. Oh, they're going to run for 200 yards. And this defense is just nasty. And it's just all the bad memories coming back to me. Shanahan, you know, we know him for his offensive acumen and his play calling. He is all around an outstanding coach. Now, I I think he occasionally botches fourth down decision-making. And when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the best of the best in the, in the conference championships and the Super Bowl, those decisions can, can kill you. And I think they have killed the Niners a little bit, but by and large, because no coach is perfect. I think Shanahan is as close to a perfect coach as anyone else. He's just so comfortable. Like he's just unnatural. He was born and raised literally to do this. And when I listen to him speak, I'm like, yeah, you're, you got this figured out. So he was asked, here's an example. He was asked earlier this week, Brock Purdy hasn't practiced in a couple of weeks or he hasn't played in a couple of weeks, right? Are you concerned that there's going to be any rust? Like, talk to us about that. Here's his answer. It's not in my mind really much at all because he hasn't been on a bye week. Um, we pushed the heck out of Brock. Meetings, practice. I mean, we knew Sam was playing that whole game and Brock was still splitting reps with him. So um, Brock got a good weekend. We just don't want to put him out there in the first half of that game. So he did miss the first half versus the Rams. Um, but he got that whole weekend and he came back. He's been here. He's worked on his days off. We got two bigger practices last week than we do in a normal week so um and brock went out with the guys on monday did a bunch of stuff with them and now we're going to get two practices in again so in terms of time off I mean, yeah he, he did have two quarters off um to what we could have done with them but um we definitely think that was worth it and i don't worry about that affecting brock at all for saturday so i saw that clip and i listened to that audio i'm like shoot because part of the equation for the packers winning on saturday is the niners being rusty and I listen to Kyle Shanahan there. I'm like, well, you got me, you got me convinced. Like, All right, it sounds like you've, you've had a plan. You executed the plan. You're confident in the plan. You're confident where you, you stand with your quarterback despite really not playing must-win football the last couple of weeks. Damn it. I forgot Kyle Shanahan's really good at this. It's all, it's all, it's all coming back to me now. Not, not the, the playoff losses in the early 2010s. Those were to Harbaugh and Kyle Kaepernick. But the last two, I need to specify which era uh, over the last 10 years that the Niners have dominated the Packers, the playoffs, because there's two, there's a Harbaugh era. And then there's the Kyle Shanahan, Raheem Mostert, Jimmy G now Brock Purdy era. It's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Shanahan's really good at this. And, and you know, Shanahan is known accurately for his offense. He was kind of the first bright young offensive mind that was targeted to be a head coach. And, and since Shanahan, you know, we've seen McVay and we've seen Zach Taylor and Matt LaFleur, obviously, uh, Mike McDaniel, who came sprung directly from the football loins from the Shanahan system. And he was his offensive coordinator there uh, two years ago before Miami hired him. So Shanahan kind of pioneered this young offensive guru hire. But, you know, other than offense, you know what I first think of when, when I think of Shanahan and I think of his teams is they're physical and they hit. And it's not just because of his defensive coordinators, because he's got a different one every other year. It's Robert Sala 
or D'Amico Ryans. Now they got Vance Joseph. Like, they are physical smash mouth. It doesn't matter who's coordinating the defense. It starts with Kyle Shanahan at the top. And I'm glad that Matt LaFleur mentioned that. Well, I guess I'm I'm not glad. Uh, I'm glad for the sake of accuracy. I'm glad that Matt LaFleur knows what he's talking about and in that the Niners are physical, but I don't like that the Niners are physical. Here's Matt LaFleur and he was asked, hey, what do you think about Kyle Shanahan's teams? What are they known for? They've got really multiple guys. There's at least four guys over there that can get yards after contact. And that's why I think it's so imperative that you have to swarm as a defense. you got to have multiple bodies in position to make tackles and um, you have to you truly have to gang tackle these guys because they do a great job of uh, whether I mean there was a great clip in the in the Philly game where Debo catches a five-yard under route and he breaks I don't know how many tackles and he takes it 50 yards or whatever it was so um, all those guys though collectively they they pose a great challenge on you Twitter at Wisco Grant Got a couple of tweets. I got I to check this more on Thursdays because we're running phone calls. Cone Roller tweets in, anyone who went back to their high school within five years of graduation is a loser. And not if you have a good reason. Not just going back there to vibe and hit on chicks. Uh, I think the last time I went back to my high school, I mean, I have a, I have a brother that's five years younger than me. And went, I think I was back for his graduation. 99, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I think. Can't remember now. It's been three or four years. This is a pandemic mixed in there. I think I, if not for his graduate, I have a sister that's two years younger than me. I was at least one of their graduations. I was in high school. So if you have a good reason, I think it's, I think it's fine to be back at your high school. If you have a good reason, Cone, I didn't just go back there to, I'm going to go get some shots up. I want to, I want to go feel some Mustang pride, formerly Indian pride, but we canceled that mascot, uh, much to the chagrin of, of many uh, people who have lived in Menominee for a while. I had a good reason to go back to my high school. Okay. And it was for the sake of an analogy anyways, Cones. Let, let's take it easy. You can tweet me out, Wisco Grant. Let's take a break. I want to talk about a big advantage that I think the Packers have on offense. I think they have an advantage that the Eagles didn't have. RIP, they were eliminated. The Cowboys didn't have. I, I think the Packers might have an advantage that the Bills don't have offensively. It's quite an edge. And, and I think the Packers have an advantage that could really help them have been helping them up until now could continue to help them not just this year, but, but beyond. So let's talk about that a five minute break. And then I want to talk about an offensive advantage of the green Bay Packers. That's coming up next on the Wisco sports show. This is the Wisco sports show with Grant bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate you being here, listening tonight. Mike Clemens, about an hour away. Excited to chat with Mike. A lot of good stories. We're getting to know some of these players, like Jaden Reed, even Bo Melton, right? And these guys have been here all year. We've watched them all year, but, you know, we, we go through this process, watch the game, press conference in the middle of the week, we get a comment, we get a little more personality as the season goes along. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that the team is winning and all the conversations are positive and celebratory. So Mike Clemens going to help us know our team just a little bit better. He'll be here in about an hour. And then tomorrow, probably knowing Mike at 6 a.m. at the crack, and probably won't even go to bed tonight, he'll be flying out to San Francisco and covering the game uh, and providing coverage all across our network. And for Bill's postgame show on Saturday night, uh, Packers Niners Saturday night out in San Francisco. 
God, I hope they don't get wrecked. I just, just don't get blown out. feel like it'll be progress after what we've seen the last couple of times these two teams have met in the playoffs, especially on Saturday night. Why is it always on I said always on Saturday night. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. I'm not taking any phone calls because it's Thursday. I think it's a good system. Uh, and, I, and I think after this week, I'm not even going to mention it. We all understand, and I'm not going to explain it. I'm not going to. It's just something we do now. I think it's I think it's good for the show. We talked a little bit about the Eagles on Tuesday and their collapse. It was so nicely orated by the great Troy Aikman. The whole game on Monday night is like, what is this trash? Was just wasting my time. This is a playoff game. This is embarrassing. They look like you don't even want to be out there. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Troy Aikman does not mince words. And the Eagles, they folded. And I had to text our friend Ben Kenny the other day, too, to tell him that Eric on I-90 was thinking about him. Said, yeah, we, you know, if not for Ben, who we love, it's pretty fun to watch the Eagles lose. And it was pretty fun to watch him fall apart this year. Sorry, Ben, but it was. And I talked briefly to Ben about the Eagles, and A.J. Brown came up. Ben was telling me that people in Philly, people around here, seem to think he quit. And you never want to infer or imply. I make the inference, right? I'm inferring. You imply to me and I infer, right? If you were to uh, infer that a player is quit, we don't like doing that, right? We don't like to infer what a player is thinking or what's on their mind or what's on their heart. But if A.J. Brown was quitting on the team, would he do anything differently? Like, A.J. Brown has not done anything the last couple of weeks to make fans think that he hasn't quit on the team. It wasn't showing up, was around, didn't do any media, deleted his socials, which, by the way, stop with that. That's the worst thing that my generation does. Like, that creates drama. Deleting your Twitter or removing the Eagles or your team affiliation from your social media, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't calm down drama. That creates it. So let's just stop. If you don't want social media, you don't want the distraction, just delete it off your phone. That's the way to go about it. So just a plea to my generation. Stop doing that. I need to dial in. I'm going to delete my socials. Now that actually creates more drama, actually. A.J. Brown. And then another the other night, also on Monday, Steelers lose to the Bills. George Pickens in the locker room after the game threw his helmet, leaving the field, and then was whining about the refs postgame. He's like, man, we can't, we can't play against the Bills and the refs. This is ridiculous. Okay. C.D. Lamb had a career year with Dak Prescott this year career year he was awesome two or three plays don't go away early on Sunday he just disassociates like what's going on here and I'm interested to see what happens if the Bills offense really really struggles and can't get it going against the Chiefs they lose at home on Sunday and I think they will be fascinating to see how Stephon Diggs handles it because he's he's liable to go off the handle a little bit Emotional maturity at wide receiver is oh so important. And it's such an advantage for teams who have it because it's so rare. Emotional maturity at wide receiver, it's a rare thing. And I know the Packers have a bunch of kids playing wide receiver, but somehow they're very emotionally mature. Maybe it's because they haven't had a chance to earn accolades and earn big money contracts and win awards and you know set records. So maybe... Receivers get less emotionally mature as they age in the NFL, which is odd. I also think the Packers are very, very intentional about the wide receivers they draft. It's like, we are not doing divas. Not going to do it. We're not going to mess around with George Pickens. Can't do it. That guy was never going to be a Packer. And looking back, it makes total sense. He's not a Packer. Chase Claypool. They apparently wanted to. I want to know how close they actually were to trading a second round pick for Chase Claypool. I want to know. 
the like I, I could see it totally being that they were making some calls and they were never going to do a second round pick, or, or maybe they were perfectly willing to throw a second round pick on the table. And, and then the Bears obviously they just had a better pick, so they beat them out. I don't know, um, but the Packers they've always been very emotionally mature at wide receiver, and it's comments like this from Jaden Reed. Bill Huber got this out, and Bill Huber is going to be on the Bill Michaels show tomorrow. And I texted Bill, and I, I, I told him, it's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a little audio on my show tonight thanks to a question that you asked and that was answered, so thank you. And he said, yep, that'll be my story on Saturday. So if you want more on this topic, Bill Huber, Sports Illustrated, uh, he'll be on Bill's show tomorrow, but he's also going to publish his story about this exact topic on Saturday. But this is Jaden Reed. He was asked about, you, know, you didn't have any catches, but you seemed happy. You seemed fine with it. So there's a little bit of an exchange between him and Bill Huber here about the unselfishness and the maturity, really, of a very young Packers wide receiver. Really. It's just the brotherhood that we've been building, building all year, man. Like, you know, we all want each other to do good because, you know, uh, when, we, when we all do good, the team do good. So um, I'm just happy for everybody in this building. And, you know, uh, that's just the brotherhood we got. You know, we, we care for each other and we want individually each other to do great. So. So even though the leading receiver on the team gets zero catches, that's mm-hmm. no problem as long as you guys get the double. Man, we going to the next round. I ain't, you know what I'm saying, I ain't complaining about no receptions. You know, whatever I got to do, if it takes me to block that whole game, you know, to get a win. So, you know, that's all I care about. You know, it, it drove me nuts for a couple of years. The Packers were so obsessed with players, wide receivers that could block. And I'm like, <laughs> like, Matt, I, I get it. You want your guys to be tough, and you want them to be team players, and you want them to contribute, you know, past just making highlight catches and racking up yards and, and touchdowns. I, I get it. You want holistic wide receivers. I get it. But also, like, this team is starved for some dynamism on the outside. Like, we got Devontae Adams, who's great, and then a bunch of guys that aren't really all that good. Alan Lazard, it's a miracle to me that the Packers got as much out of Alan Lazard as they did because he went to the Jets and mailed it in day one. He got that contract. He got to a big city, mailed it in day one. But, you know, the Packers, when he was here, Lazard was a blocker. He would mix it up. Matt LaFleur loved that about him. With MVS and some of the other kind of mid-level, mid-tier wide receivers they had, and I, I started to get really frustrated. I'm like, hey, LaFleur, Goody. I get it. We want our wide receivers to be willing blockers. But also, somebody's got to catch passes on this team. And 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 the group you guys got right now, not cutting it. Okay? So maybe let's sacrifice a little on the blocking, a little more dynamism in the pass-catching department. After all, they're called wide receivers, not wide blockers. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Wow, that's I'm I'm so good at this job. They're called wide receivers, not wide blockers. Wow, that's my my boss should be calling me for a for a raise the second I'm off the air. That's that's good stuff. And you know, and I, I would get frustrated by Matt LaFleur. They were so obsessed with the wide receiver's ability to block. But now I see Jaden Reed, Malik Heath downfield willing to mix it up. Dontavian Wicks. There was a play against the Cowboys. I don't remember when it was in the game. Uh, but if you go back and you watch the highlights, it'll jump out to you. And who doesn't want to go back and watch the highlights over and over of that game? So if you go back and you watch the Cowboys highlights again before the Niners game, there's a play where they throw a swing pass to the left side to Aaron Jones. And there were a trio of wide receivers out there ready to block. And I think Aaron Jones picked up around 10 yards, maybe a little bit more. Maybe it was 15-ish, but really nice play. And Dontavian Wicks, who was the outside most wide receiver, so he was kind of the, the ceiling block, the maker Blake. Just through this guy, he positioned so well, was pushing him back into the middle of the field. Like he didn't even get close to grabbing Aaron Jones. And I, 
I got to say, you know, I, I belly ached a long time about, oh, we need our guys to block. But also, a wide receiver's willingness to block, I think, also tells you something deeper about that wide receiver, right? Wide receiver is more focused on winning and more focused on the success of the offense than the success of themselves, right? If a wide receiver is willing to block and willing to get their hands dirty and their nose dirty down the field, that also probably tells me that that wide receiver isn't going to pitch a fit if he doesn't get too many catches or doesn't get too many yards as long as the team is succeeding, right? It's a, it's a very team-first mindset in wide receivers that are that are blockers and, and willing blockers. And I just listened to comments from Bo Melton, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs isn't saying anything like he was asked about his injury and he was like a press secretary out there. He's like, I'll let coach handle that. Thank you. (laughs) These are no nonsense guys. And it's allowed Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love and this Packers offense to operate differently through someone else every single week. And, you know, maybe Jaden Reed plays in this league for five years and he gets an all pro and he makes some money and maybe he grows an ego. I, I hope not. Um, but but I'm fully aware that these guys are very young and they're just getting started in the NFL. It's really easy as a rookie when you're making your bones and cutting your teeth for the first time to say, oh, hell yeah, I'll block as long as we win. Sure. Um, when I first took my first job out of college, it's like, yeah, I'll t- that, that pays. That pay is fine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about it because, you know, when you're first starting out, you, you don't want to ask for too much. You don't want to create a stir. But I'd like to think that as a professional, I have aged well. I've not become a diva in this role. I'm not obsessed with money and individual accomplishments. When's the, the WBA award? When are we giving awards this year, by the way? Is that in May? Just just asking, uh, curious, not obsessed with individual awards. Again, it's about the success of the show and the network. Um, <laughs> but I just love listening to all these wide receivers talk about, man, I don't care how many catches I have. We're winning, and the offense is cooking. We're scoring points. And I like seeing wide receivers get excited that their teammates having a big day. I like that Jaden Reed's excited for Romeo Dobbs and excited for Bo Melton. You know, and I, I've talked about this, you know, in terms of fishing. I always love a good fishing analogy. There's some days where I go fishing with a with a friend. I, I more so than I want to catch a fish, I want to see my buddy catch a fish. Like, I want to see him have an awesome fish on the line. I want to run over, help him net it. Let's get a nice picture. Like, it, it's a good trait to want those around you, your buddies, your teammates to succeed. And, and the Packers have put together a wide receiver room of guys who are wired the right way. They're about the right stuff. And it's a big reason why they're succeeding. And look at the Eagles. A.J. Brown couldn't be bothered to speak to the media, couldn't be bothered to do anything because the season wasn't going his way. He quit. C.D. Lamb just disassociated early in that game on Sunday. Soon as it wasn't going his way, soon as a couple off-target balls came his way, nah, that's it. Hey, don't, don't even consider the fact you've had a career year and you've been amazing with Dak all year. Oh, a couple plays didn't go your way? Nah, frustrated. I'm going to let it become a thing. Not the Packers, at least not this year, and I hope that continues. Let's take a three-minute break. Send me a tweet, at Wisco Grant, if you want to be a part of the show. We'll wrap up hour number one next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens, about an hour away. Oh, half hour away, excuse me. The show is the show is going so quickly, I I lost track of time, having so much fun. Content's so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm being a real prick today. This is what happens when you let me talk for an hour and a half with no callers, no guests. This is what, ha- this is what happens. My brain just starts to eat itself. It's like a dog chasing its own tail. Mike Clemens will be here 
at 5.30, which is about 30 minutes away. There we go. That's correct. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'm getting dragged for... I, I don't even remember being back in my high school. It was an analogy, right? My point was, it's all starting to come back to me with the Niners, right? I'm starting to remember all the different ways that they've embarrassed us, all the different ways they've kicked our ass, all the different quarterbacks, all the different coaches, all the different playoff games that have made me feel absolutely terrible about me and my team. The team that I own, my team, I am an owner. And the analogy that I use to try to best encapsulate that is when you go back to your high school and you walk down the hallway and it all starts coming back to you, all the experiences and all the drama and all the things you thought were the end of the world weren't the end of the world. I don't even remember being back in my high school cone. Why am I being dragged for what? It's like I can't close the yearbook. I haven't lived in my hometown. I, I graduated high school. I went to UWL. I did my freshman year at UWL. I moved back to live with my parents for that summer, which I think is very customary. That's not it's not rare, right? I, I went back for one summer, and since then I have not lived at home. And I've been back to my high school once, maybe twice. I think for one of my siblings' graduations, I, I think I was there for at least one, maybe two. It's not, Cone, you're making it seem like I went back to, like, chop it up with my shop teacher. That's not, no, it's just, oh, God, I'm getting, it's getting dragged multiple people there's nothing wrong with going back to your high school good purpose a matt and cross plane says i know you don't take calls on thursday but it's my birthday so you should take mine (laughs) hey if i start making exceptions matt where does it end it's a slippery slope right if the nfl forces you to pay for peacock for one game who knows what's next who knows what the who knows what the media will for i just love slippery slope arguments uh we'll talk tomorrow matt you can tell me all about your birthday celebration Sure, you'll probably be a little bit hungover. I should hope you'd be a little bit hungover. An hour or two. I want to keep talking about the Packers. I also want to talk about McCarthy because he's back with the Cowboys. People are flummoxed by that announcement from the Cowboys. We'll talk about that next. Wisco Sports Show. It was fun. Just being in the locker room right there, it's a, it's a great environment to be in. Can't say enough how proud I am of everybody in the locker room. It's the way everybody keeps dialing, keeps competing, putting on great performances like tonight. So um, it's a great feeling. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I want to talk about Mike McCarthy coming back to the Cowboys. Everyone's mad about it, right? Mike McCarthy's an easy punching bag for the media, sports talkers, gas bags, hot take artists. You know all those all those people. Not me. I only operate in in good faith with my takes and my <laughs> my opinions. Everyone's mad about Mike McCarthy coming back, and I, I want to talk about that next. I am fantasizing about a scenario. In which the Packers come out against the Niners and just rip them. Score 40, win, look awesome. Or or at the very least, like, lose a game like 45-44. Just look awesome and leave absolutely no doubt about exactly how good Jordan Love and how good this offense is. Because if the Packers do that, you know, you could look around and think, oh, McCarthy and the Cowboys just ran into a buzzsaw. 
<laughs> how funny, how wild would that reality be? Because that, that would be the case. If the Packers go on and they and they really run up the score and, and put up a lot of points against the Niners and end up winning, I think we look back at that Dallas game a little bit differently, right? We look back at, at, the, at the failure of Dan Campbell or, or just like the Cowboys. They could do nothing. They were down 27, what, 27 to nothing? We go back and we look at that game a little bit differently, right? And we think, well, we're going to do a buzzsaw. Kind of the same way we, we think about and, and talk about the Packers in 2016 when they played Kyle Shanahan's and Dan Quinn. Funny enough, a lot of crossover here. Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan were head coach and offensive coordinator of the Falcons in 2016. We go back. Smart people don't hold that loss against Rodgers. Smart people don't hold that loss against McCarthy because they had no business being in that game. The fact that they were in the playoffs at all in 2016 after starting four and six was a miracle. The fact that they won two playoff games, including one in Dallas against that team, that was a miracle. So smart people don't hold that game against Rodgers and McCarthy because they had no business being there. They ran into a buzzsaw. I'm just fantasizing about a situation where the Packers go into San Francisco this weekend and look awesome. And we're like, oh, maybe it wasn't a Cowboys thing. Maybe the Packers are just that good. I'm also fantasizing about that situation because it would be awesome as that would mean the Packers look awesome and they win the game. And as a Packer fan and owner, uh, I would love that. So there's levels to this folks. This is what happens again. When you let me talk nonstop for two hours, we we get pretty wet and wild. (laughs) Some of our takes, this is the Wisco sports show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens is going to be here in a half hour. Bring us some sights and sound. Well, I guess just sounds not sights and sounds just sounds it's radio, Uh, but he'll bring us some comments from players and coaches and kind of give us our, our, our last uh, our last primer for Packers Niners before he travels out to San Francisco tomorrow. So I'm excited to talk with Mike. He'll join us in about a half hour. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. So the Cowboys announced last night, it was during the Bill Michaels huddle. I was sitting here, eyes glaze over because uh, it's getting close to eight o'clock. You know, I've been in the studio for hours and hours and hours and it was a good huddle last night. It was nothing against Bill's show. It's just, I've, I've been in the studio for so many hours. I forget what time it is. And the Cowboys announced bringing back Mike McCarthy. And everyone on Twitter, football people, like, what the hell? And I find some of the Mike McCarthy discourse a little unfair and a little disingenuous because I I thought, and maybe I read this incorrectly, but I thought a lot of this season was a testament to Mike McCarthy. I I thought a lot of this season was a, a little bit the book being edited and rewritten a little bit about Mike McCarthy. It's like, wait a minute. So he lost Kellen Moore, who everyone thought was a great offensive coordinator, potential head coaching candidate down the line, loses him, takes back play calling, takes back control of the offense, and they get better. And Dak has the best year of his career, and CeeDee Lamb has the best year of his career, and they win 12 games. And yeah, they have some ugly losses, but every team has some ugly losses. Every team has some ugly losses. We talked about this earlier this week, right? It's like every team goes through a rough stretch, right? The best teams bounce back really quickly. The bad teams get stuck and they can't pull themselves out of it. The Eagles ran into a rough patch and they couldn't pull themselves out of it. Packers pulled themselves out. Cowboys pulled themselves out after a couple of tough losses. The Bills pulled themselves out of the pit. The Lions had a couple weeks where it was like a little shaky when really it was probably just they were playing outside and Jared Goff's not cut out for it. Right? So all all the teams have bad games, bad stretches. The Cowboys are, are, are no different. Um, I thought a lot of this season was about folks appreciating Mike McCarthy, lost his offensive coordinator, 
has one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. He's being looked at for head coaching jobs. Dan Quinn. Special teams were really good. They went to the XFL to find their kicker who was the best kicker in football this year. And and Al Harris is one of the names being bandied about as one of the rising stars in the coaching scene. Like Mike McCarthy put together a staff. He's beloved by his players. You listen to all his players talk about it. Man, Mike loves us. We love Mike. He looks out for our family. They're welcome at the facility, right? Always wants to make sure that that we have time to to call our wife, to call our kids in the middle of a long day. Like, it was a Mike McCarthy love fest this year. A couple weeks ago, I, I normally listen to a little bit of Colin Cowherd every day, and I, a little bit of Stephen A., a little bit of Colin Cowherd, a little bit of ESPN, a little bit of FS1. What are they saying on WFAN? What are they saying WIP? I, I try to be a, a consumer of sports talk. I love sports talk radio, so I try to to get a sense of what all the, the big heavy hitters are talking about. And Colin Cowherd, a couple weeks ago, I remember driving home, listening to his lead, and he's talking about how Mike McCarthy's got a very similar record as John Harbaugh, very similar record as Mike Tomlin, very similar. Like, these coaches are not that different. We think there's this hierarchy. It's Andy Reid, who's miles above everybody, and Bill Belichick, who's miles above everybody, and then Mike Tomlin, right, who's a very respected coach, and then John Harbaugh is thought of, and then down here, it's Mike McCarthy. He's way below, and it... Actually, a lot of these coaches are a lot more similar than you'd think. And we have a lot of respect nationally for John Harbaugh. A lot of respect nationally for Mike Tomlin. I think that's waning a little bit, but most of the disrespect for Mike Tomlin is coming from Steelers fans because they're too dumb to realize that Mike Tomlin has been coaching Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett ever since Ben Roethlisberger retired. And when Ben Roethlisberger retired, he was a corpse. Like, he wasn't even good at the end. Who was the last good quarterback Mike Tomlin had? The last time Mike Tomlin had a good quarterback was when Big Ben was actually good, which was like two or three years before he actually retired, which was like, what, three or four years ago now. I mean, he was just cycling through terrible quarterbacks. Mike Tomlin is thought of very highly around the league, and I think rightfully so. Now, has his time run out in Pittsburgh, and is it time for a change? Maybe, but that doesn't mean he's not a good coach. And it doesn't mean that John Harbaugh, right, when they went through some dips and some struggles with Lamar, doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden a bad coach. just means maybe he wouldn't have been the right fit for the Ravens, and now we've, we've gotten past that because it turns out when Lamar's pretty healthy, the team's pretty good, and John Harbaugh knows what he's doing. Oh, imagine that. Mike McCarthy was thought of, and I remember listening to Colin Coward. It's like, man, he's basically John Harbaugh. He's basically Mike Tomlin. He's a really good coach. Yeah, he's in the spotlight as head coach of the Cowboys, and he's a little bit of a punching bag because he's not the typical wunderkind, whiz kid, young, burgeoning offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan or McVay or LaFleur, all these guys with nice haircuts and beards, and they get their eyebrows done. And Mike McCarthy, you know, a little more old school. So he, he takes some some slings and arrows, and he especially does because he's head coach of the Cowboys. There's just a spotlight on him that doesn't exist for a coach like I mean, even Harbaugh or Tomlin, they're coaches of premier franchises, but they're not nationally televised as much as the Cowboys. They're not talked about as much as the Cowboys. So I thought this year was everyone realizing, it turns out Mike McCarthy's actually a pretty good coach. And it turns out that he's he's actually pretty competent and knows what he's doing. He's maybe not Kyle Shanahan offensively, but who is? He's maybe not Andy Reid coaching in big games, but Andy Reid wasn't thought of as a big game playoff coach until all of a sudden he had Patrick Mahomes and some of those games started going differently than the ones that he was coaching in 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 Philly. I thought this whole year was a celebration of Mike McCarthy as a coach and the job that he had done in Dallas. And they lose one playoff game, and now all of a sudden he's back to a oaf, a dummy, can't win the big one. His playoff record with the Cowboys hasn't been great. I I think... it's it's 
more than just about saying, well, this coach has a one and four, one and five record in the playoffs. Okay, who is his quarterback? Who did they lose to? Where was the game plate? Right, we need to consider all these things. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Mike McCarthy is the best coach in football, right? He's not. But I get a little bummed when you spend all football season celebrating someone and then one game doesn't go that person's way. And it's like, I can't believe he's not fired. I can't believe he should be executed. Behead him in front of the fans. What a disaster. It's like, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. I understand you make your bones in the postseason, and in college basketball, you got to prove it in March and in baseball, you got to prove it in November. I, 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 I get it. I do. I'm not an idiot. Mostly. Um, but I, I don't know. It bumps me out a little bit. Here's Mike McCarthy. He was asked by Jane Slater today. And I think this is a good question. Jane Slater, NFL Network. said, why should fans buy back into this? Right, a couple 12 and five years now. Kind of felt like this was probably going to be the year that it happened. Maybe going to lose some coordinators. Right? It kind of felt like this should have been the year and it wasn't. In fact, they weren't even close. He didn't win a playoff game. Why should fans buy back in? I think it's a good question. Here is Mike McCarthy's answer. This is earlier today. Why should fans buy back in to you as the head coach of this team? Yeah, because I I believe that uh, the the direction, you know, the leadership, um, everything is in place. And um, I'm not very comfortable talking about myself, but I came here to win a championship. I didn't come here to get another contract or um, anything other than that. Um, I came to Dallas to win the world championship, and that's why I'm standing here and um, – buy into us so i i don't want to pick apart that press press conference answer i i like mike mccarthy there's nothing there's nothing nefarious going on there i i think he loves his players players love him i i don't know why it all went south against the packers on sunday i mean i think i think matt lafleur called an unbelievable game i think jordan love played an unbelievable game the Cowboys should have been better, and I can't understand why they weren't. I've seen Dak do it in big games. I saw him do it against the Packers in 2016. Dak was unbelievable in that game. Now, th- that game's also a little bit weird because if I remember correctly, what, the Packers were up 28-3, to 31-7, something. They were up a bunch, and then Dak Prescott starts playing out of his mind. Garbage time, I, I guess I, I don't know how you... I, I don't know how you rectify and make sense of Dak's performances. I, I, I don't know. I think highly of Dak. I, I probably think more of Dak than a lot of NFL fans do. Um, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys could do better. I also think they could do worse. And I think some football fans, and I, I fall into this group sometimes too, when it's not going your way and when you're not getting the results that you want, you just assume that, well, it can't get worse. Fire, fire the coach, fire the coordinator, we'll figure it out. And this year, I, I think just look no further than the Packers with Joe Barry. I think they could do worse. Maybe you don't just fire the coach to fire the coach. Because it has gotten better. Look at the Eagles. They fired their defense. They didn't even fire their defensive coordinator. They just demoted him, humiliated him, stuck in Matt Patricia, and it didn't help at all. In fact, things only got worse. So I, the contract part of this is interesting, too, because Mike McCarthy's got one more year on his contract, so he's going to coach a lame duck year next year, which is bizarre, but that's the same thing they did with Jason Garrett, who, you know, different organizations have a a different approach to, to things like that. So McCarthy coaching out the final year of his contract, not unheard of for how the Cowboys handle their business. Dak Prescott's also coming up on the end of his contract. And I think this year with Dak coming up on the end of his deal, McCarthy coming up on the end of his deal, it forces the Cowboys to really think about some things critically. It's like, how far can we go with Dak making all this money? How far can we go with McCarthy? 
I don't know, the, the fact that both of these contracts are coming up makes you think critically about coach and quarterback. I don't know. Um, but I'll defend McCarthy against all the people. There's so many people that filled their radio show, filled their podcast, wrote all sorts of stories all year long about the great job that McCarthy is doing and, and how he's really shown this year that he he belongs. He's a bit of a punchline, but it turns out he actually does know what he's doing. Wow, imagine that. And then they lose one playoff game, and we're all beside ourselves at you know, why he's not getting fired. I, I don't know. I, I saw Ryan Wood tweet today. Ryan Wood was on Tuesday. Uh, really good Packers reporter. I love his getting his opinion on the show. He tweeted this today, and I think it's perfect. He said, if the Cowboys were ever going to fire McCarthy this season, they would have done so after that loss. If not, they were never firing him. So why say we'll see how each game goes before the playoffs? Just adds a bunch of pressure to a team that doesn't need it. Jerry Jones is the problem. You know, what's funny is <laughs> everyone's like, well, Jerry's the problem. As if we just realized this now. You know what I mean? Like, go back to 2014. Go back to when Romo was there. And they would lose playoff games. It's like, Jer- Jerry's the problem. We t- we've been talking about this for a decade. Probably more than a decade. I just don't remember because I don't care to. The Cowboys aren't even my team. They're, they're America's team, but they're not my not my America's team. Not my country. Not my president. Not my team. I, I, I completely agree with this tweet from Ryan Wood. If the Cowboys weren't going to fire Mike McCarthy after that loss. There wasn't a situation that they were going to fire him unless they expected players to be like, "Mm -mm, we need to not this coach. Maybe, maybe they got responses and reactions from players that they didn't expect. But when do players ever publicly hang their coach out to dry? Like even Brandon Staley after that Raiders loss, like players were going to throw him under the bus in their postgame pressers. That's not how it works. So I I don't, I I don't, I I guess I don't, I don't know what the Cowboys thought was going to happen. The only way that McCarthy, well, they were going to fire him. They were going to fire him then because I'm trying to think of a situation where they would have fired him getting blown out by a nine and eight team, a wild card team with a rookie, essentially a rookie quarterback. That would be the reason to fire your coach. And if you're not going to fire your coach after a loss like that, then you're not going to fire him. So I, I don't know why Jerry Jones has to, well, we'll, we'll see how each game goes and we'll, you know, we'll make our decision. Why, why say that? Why put that out there? Why just, just go sit on your yacht. You're a billionaire. You you want to spend the, the last, the waning years, the twilight years of your life, you want to sit in an office in Frisco, watch game tape? Why? You can barely eat solid food. Go enjoy life. Let the football people handle the football stuff. And I, like, I could teach Jerry Jones a thing or two about owning an NFL franchise. What you do is you empower good football people and you get out of the way. And I think they've empowered a good football coach in Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. Is he the best? No. But... I think he's good. Get out of his way. Stop making noise. Stop creating more pressure. You're the Dallas Cowboys. There's plenty of pressure already. You don't need to go creating more. So what have we been talking about this now for 16 minutes? I still don't really know where I stand, whether the Cowboys should or shouldn't have done it. I guess I, it just bums me out a little bit. The Cowboys made the decision to bring him back and the NFL media and everyone in sports media who spent all year celebrating Mike McCarthy is now just trashing him. And that bums me out. I'm not a fan of that. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll continue the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens 
10 minutes away. One final check-in before he wheels up San Francisco. He'll be covering Packers Niners on Saturday night. You'll hear him on Bill's post-game show, and he'll bring us all the audio, all the sights and sounds, and all the details that we don't get sitting at home watching on our TV. I'm actually not going to be home. I have a, a ski weekend planned this weekend. I'm very excited. I've never skied Granite Peak before, and I... <laughs> First of all, I'm not I'm not a skier. Like maybe I go once a year. Uh grew up around Eau Claire, so we drive over to Afton Alps. I went up to Christie Mountain one time one winter. I actually will go to bat for Mount Lacrosse. No free ads, but Mount Lacrosse for that size of a hill in that size of a town, I think Mount Lacrosse rips. I I love skiing Mount Lacrosse. Um let's see what other hills have I never skied. Like outside, like I've never gone out west to ski or anything like that. Skied the Rock. It was a friend of Bill's show. The Rock Complex in Franklin. Skied that last winter. Just for an afternoon, it was fun. Go and get a beer afterwards. That's a nice spot. Um, But going to ski Granite Peak this Saturday. And we're staying at a big cabin. I mean, play cards, drink some drinks on Saturday night. And, you know, the Packers could lose. I'm going to be with a bunch of friends. A few couples will be there. Uh, The Packers could lose on Saturday night, but it won't ruin the weekend. This is this is a difference. I mean, we talked about this on Bill's show earlier today. It's like, are you still house money, no expectations? Uh, is, that, is that still your approach? Or are you starting to get expectations? you starting to get your hopes up? Look, let me outline it perfectly. This is, this is the situation. This is the dynamic for Saturday night's Niners-Packers game. I really want the Packers to play well, and I really want them to win. I think it would be awesome if they won, and I really want to see it. And if they don't win... If they do struggle and they lose the Niners, I'm going to be sad and I'm going to be bummed. But it will not ruin my weekend and it will not ruin the next month of my life. And for the last decade, every time the Packers are losing the playoffs, it's like, ah, well, now I'm depressed until St. Patrick's Day. Now, now I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and be an absolute miserable prick. <laughs> that will not happen this weekend. I will be watching this game with friends. And if they lose, I'll be bummed. But I'm still going to have a really fun Saturday night. Probably playing cards, drinking some drinks again. We'll just be getting off the slopes. Maybe I'll have a nice sweater on. Like, the aesthetic is going to be great. It'll almost be too much. It will not ruin my night if the Packers lose. I will be bummed. I will be sad. I think Packers fans, if we look at each other and we say, well, if they lose, it's no big deal because playing with house money, we're a year ahead of schedule. No, we're going to be bummed. Come on. What are we going to sit there and smile and say, it's okay. We're down 30 points. It's okay, guys. We're a year ahead. Like, no, it, it'll be a bummer. It'll be sad. But it's not going to completely destroy my night. Like, I, I've watched the Packers lose now in so many NFC Championship games, so many playoff games, and I can remember where I was for each one. 2014, uh, well, I was living at home at the time, so it's not, there's going to be some repetition here. 2014, uh, parents... Upstairs, it was an afternoon game. I know it was light in the living room. I was sitting in the chair to the left of the television. Uh, uh, 2015, game against the Cardinals, also in my parents' house. I had my friend Joe, my friend Dalton, uh, my friend Mason. I was sitting in the rocking chair to the right of the TV for that one. 2016, I watched in a house on 10th Street in La Crosse with a couple of friends. I was sitting on the couch, middle cushion, I believe. 2017, no playoffs. 2018, no playoffs. 2019, same house in Lacrosse, 10th Street. Probably same cushion. Basically the same result. They got killed. Uh, next year, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I remember I went ice fishing in the morning. I went to a co-worker's house on Ferry Street. I sat in the corner chair to the left of the couch. The television was up above my right. Uh, I remember exactly who was there. 
the next year, they lost the Niners. I watched uh, on the back deck of <laughs> um, the Harp in Milwaukee, and it got so grimy because the Packers were losing, and I was with some friends. You know, the drinks, you know, they flow freely when you're with friends. My buddy threw up in the porta potty. Like I was not, I was not a great night. I, I can remember exactly where I was. Uh, the the Kaepernick game. I actually didn't watch Colin Kaepernick run for 200 yards. I was at a, a confirmation retreat at, at Beaver Creek, right outside Fall Creek, Wisconsin. Shout out Fall Creek. Haven't mentioned Fall Creek on the show in a while. Uh, the next year, I remember I was in my parents' living room. Shocker! I was in the rocking chair for that game as well, if I remember correctly. These events have been seared into my brain, and I share this with you to make my point. All of those playoff losses completely ruined my evening, completely ruined my weekend, ruined my energy for a week at least. 2014, it was like, when 2014 happened, I was in shock. Like, I was in shock. I couldn't fully grasp exactly how bad that was in the moment. I'm like, ah, bummer. It's a loss. And then as the day went along, I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I am going to end up in therapy because of this loss. Like, these losses were horrible. If they lose Saturday night, it'll be a bummer. And just because... I have just a, a, a brilliant brain, obviously, and a great memory. I'll probably remember I watched the game, but it's not going to be traumatic. It's not going to be awful. It'll be a bummer, but it won't ruin my weekend. That's a nice silver lining to this year. You're playing with house money. I, I think that's an advantage for the players. I think it's also an advantage for the fans. But like, I can hope, and I can really cross my fingers that they win this game, and I had my fingers crossed that they beat the Cowboys, but if they don't beat the Niners this weekend, I'll, I'll get by. We will get by, as the Grateful Dead once said. We will get by it'll be fine it'll be a bummer but we'll show up at work on monday and be like wow great season excited to watch conference championships excited for the super bowl excited for what's next it's not gonna it's not gonna hang with us that stink is not gonna carry around it's not gonna sit on our shoulders for the next couple of months or years obviously as i'm recalling playoff games that were 10 years ago now back to 2014 i'll never forget um right after that playoff loss in 2014 i went to see in Eau Claire, downtown Eau Claire, the big city, uh, for someone who grew up in Menominee, at the state, is this the state, I think? It hasn't changed names. I went with my parents to see a combo concert of Firefall and Pure Prairie League. Two great, very slept on, very underrated bands. Really good, especially Pure Prairie League. Not to down, I own some Firefall on vinyl. Like, that's a really kick-ass band, too. Rick Roberts, hell yeah. Um, but Pure Prairie League, the bass player made some crack about the Seahawks, like thinking it would be funny and very quickly realized that this crowd was in no mood to joke about the sea, the Seahawks. He realized like, Oh, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep that joke in the drafts next time I, I come around here. And I think that if Pierre Prairie were to come back to Eau Claire, play the same show, make the same joke. I still think people would be pissed about it. It's still too soon. It's been what? Nine years now. Yeah. Nine years. It was, well, in the spring of 2015, so eight years, nine years, somewhere in there. Yeah, that loss still sticks with us. This loss will not stick with us. Uh, I think we'll get over it if they lose. Hope they win, but I think we'll get over it if they lose. Six oh, I don't know why I'm reading the phone number. Force a habit before I go to break, because normally we take calls, but it's Thursday, so we're not taking calls, except I'm about to make a call to Mike Clemens. He's going to join us next to preview Packers 49ers. Five minutes, and we're back with Mike Clemens on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate you listening tonight. If you're just joining us. Talked a little about Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys' decision to keep him. Started the show by playing some audio from Nick Bosa and Adam Stenovich, kind of comparing the Packers' offense last year to this year and differences, pros, cons. And I talked about how this Packers wide receiving room, they're very emotionally mature for being so young. They're very unselfish. They're all about winning. They're willing to block. They're willing to share the spotlight week to week with their teammates. They're excited to see their teammates succeed. So that's what you missed. If you're just joining us now, you can find that in the podcast. I'll post it after six o'clock. Mike Clemens is here. Mike, I'm such a dope. I started the show not even realizing it was Thursday. And then I'm telling listeners, hey, coming up later. I'm like, wait, do we have I'm not sure. Is Mike traveling tonight? So thank you for texting me and producing my own show for me, Mike. Thank you. Well, that's what's going on with the Packers because, yeah. you know, you're, you, you really want to hold on to your weekly routine to, you know, to get your body, to have the mind tell the body, you got to be ready Sunday. you got to be ready Sunday. Sure. And you're sore and, and you've got problems and you've got aches and pains and you're into the training room an hour or two a day. Or if you're Jair Alexander, up to five hours a day, and then treatments at night to try and get this uh, circulation going back to the ankle and try and get the, the pain or the healing in a, in a sprained ankle. But um, I even asked that of LaFleur today. Uh, it was later on in today's press conference um, where I just said, you know, you have to get ready for Monday night football, Thursday night football, and sometimes Thanksgiving morning yeah. against the Lions. But a Saturday night game is rare. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, it was it was kind of the toughest I think this week for the coaches, in that you know okay we just we just played in Dallas we took the flight home we start looking at 49ers tape uh, to be sure or going over the game tape that they just finished um, to get some grades out and all that but you know you've got to cram to get you know your game plan together for who you know your next opponent is where you're going that kind of thing and it's probably toughest for them but whatever with he said the first day was weird. Like Tuesday was supposed to be Wednesday, but by today he says today it feels like Friday around here, and so um, we had a, a good locker room. We had a pretty good session with Lafleur. He was a little keyed up about something. I mean, he was he was, he was excited, but there was something. I, I, you know, I heard him. I heard him through a closed door yelling at somebody hmm. <laughs> after the press conference. Uh, whatever that is, but you know he's. He's, he got a good night's sleep because he was full of energy today. You could hear it in the press conference. Uh, he was he was cordial to us, a couple of laughs and whatnot. But um, I, we went in the locker room, and I got to talk to Aaron Jones, uh, Carl Brooks. Man, you know, him and Wooden, those two rookie defensive linemen, mm-hmm. they've been so impressive. They, they played more like second- and third-year guys. It usually takes those D linemen two or three years to get into it. Um uh, we talked a little bit to Lucas Van Ness. Those are interviews you can play on your show tomorrow and all. And then I stopped out at a place that's not far from the stadium to get some uh, barbecue because that's like I hadn't eaten all day. And so it was like an early dinner kind of thing. And I walk in there, and there's Carrington Valentine, Bo Melton. He waved to me, the the wide receiver. And I'm like, it pointed back at me, hey, got you. And, um, and Emmanuel Wilson, the running back. Those three dudes are all there getting big, like, shopping bags full of food because, you know, they're taking it back home. They're taking it back to the house where the TV is and that kind of thing. They're not sitting out there. Yeah. But this, in all the years that I covered the Packers, you run into the rookies all the time. You run into the rookies. They, they're out there at the places getting to go food and things like that. By the way, I, I will mention that 
Emmanuel Wilson was asking about, I think, maybe, you know, baked potatoes or, you know, mm. cheesy potatoes. And then he said, um, do, do they have bacon in them? And she she said, yes, sir, it does. And she goes, okay, never mind. I can't, I can't have bacon. I can't have bacon. Interesting. So, you know, I guess it's his diet says, no, man, stay away from the bacon. But um, they just said hi, and I said hi because I don't want to interfere their time. But you run into the rookies. It, it seems like when guys to be third, fourth, fifth-year players, you know, it's it's all delivered or something. I don't know. I don't know. Or they've got kitchens or they've got wives that are taking care of them by then. But you always can run into the rookies around town. There's also a ping-pong table. I was going to try and play some natural sound here, but it didn't really come through because there was so much hooting and hollering in the locker room. Excitement. Guys teasing each other, you know, running through there, having fun. But they last week the ping pong table was back in the auxiliary locker room where most of the practice squad guys are. And today it was moved out into the middle of the main locker room right there on the G. Guys going by and taking turns challenging each other playing ping pong. You know, not like there was a tournament or bracket or anything, but there was sort of an informal, okay, I got you next. And uh, they've just been doing that to have a little fun, to, you know, do a little bonding, something different. Uh, Love walked past it, and I said, are you going to go to that? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I could beat them all, yeah. <laughs> then he walks out. And another thing they were doing was um, they were checking in with the guy who's the director of player development, and he's making arrangements so that if it snows over the weekend, the Packers will have a guy clean off your car for you. Oh, I wish I had a guy for that. Well, and all the little things like that. You know, I've heard that the Buffalo Bills, wasn't there an NBA star who said he couldn't get into a game because he was stranded at home because of the ice storm? Or yeah, storm? And, and by the way, not to be an old man, but that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's a it's a multi-million dollar team in a multi-billion dollar league, and no one, we couldn't send someone with something to get him from his house to the arena? Like, come right? On. Come on. Yeah, I saw it, and he could, he could have called 911 and gotten a ride in. Probably. There you go. If he really Fire was truck. a competitor, there you sure. go, Mike. Yeah, well, he could he could take the ladder and take it up to the second floor. He could just climb down on that, <laughs> and away you go. So, yeah, the ping pong table was out and all that, and that's just, uh, you know, these guys are loose, and, and, and they're playing it loose, and they're they're on bonus time. I think they're, they're doing things that no one ever expected. Um, if Jordan Love never plays in another game, no one will ever forget the performance he had against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Do you realize that? We're never going to forget that game. I'm I'm never going to forget that game. Can I can I ask you a Jordan Love question? Um, yeah. Before we get in, I, we're going to hear a little bit from Jaden Reed here. But you know, I watched Matt Lafleur's press conference on Sunday, and he just seemed at a loss for words. Like he like he almost didn't know what to say about Jordan Love's performance. And then in Monday's presser, he talked about yeah, well Jordan. Jordan made some off-schedule throws and some off-platform throws, and you're like, that's where the value is with Jordan. Is it possible, Mike, that towards the end of the regular season, Matt LaFleur started to feel pretty comfortable that Jordan Love could run his offense, and okay, we can win with this guy. And then the last couple of games, it even seems like Matt LaFleur has been surprised at some of the throws that Jordan Love has made. I think Matt LaFleur has been as surprised as some of these fans have been, myself included, by some of these crazy throws Love has made. Is that something that you've noticed a little bit? Have you seen that? I know that for a fact. Okay. I know that for a fact because you can see the tape, and what was it, the sophomore year at Utah State where he really, you know, racked up the numbers and looked great and and looked like that semi-scrambling but always erect quarterback making great throws, great decisions, um, looked 
you know, kind of like the guy that you saw on Sunday. But, you know, I know as late as last spring, Matt wasn't sure. He knew that the kid had been working hard. But I saw all those practices. I saw the OTAs. I saw the missed throws into the net. Mm -hmm. I saw the one time that Aaron Rodgers threw three balls, two, 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 into the net. Tom Clements got him throwing it into the net in a little hook, you know, of a basket that's on the side of a fish net on a, on a rack about 15, 20 yards away. And then Jordan steps up. It's his turn now. First one he throws sails over the, the metal railing. And Rodgers, all he did was just looked at us, kind of rolled his eyes like, did you see that now? Did you yeah. see that? You know, just playing with everybody. But, you know, th there's all those little moments. And to think that he went from there to what he did on Sunday, and I'm telling you, right now he's, he's, he's in a zone. He's in a zone. And, and he's, it's, it's working for him. There's some sort of a connection in chemistry. The receivers are playing at a very mature level. You talked to Stenovich, and I asked him about it. I said, you know, Romeo says he's just following the rules. It's not like it's Jordan Love's, you know, uh, changes in the huddle of the, of the play or at the line or anything like that. It's like, hey, if Watson is covered and if Reed is covered, then if you're going to be the number three guy, we want that person to run to that spot on the field uh, at that part of a, in between zones and be there as a safety valve. That's where it, and that the love, if he's under pressure, he knows that if he can get to a launching point somewhere on the right side, you know, by the numbers, that the, that someone will be there to catch that ball because there should be a big space there in the coverage. And Dobbs just says, "Yeah, I'm just following the rules," but Stenovich says, "Yeah, but Romeo." Dobbs is just incredibly humble around the media. Most of these guys are. And then you kind of get the microphones and the cameras away. Then they, they brag about themselves. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think that's coaching. That's just the way these kids were vetted. Yeah. You know? That's well, just, and so, they're, so, goody, they're goody picks. They're, they're Packer people. But he said Dobbs is running some incredible routes. There's, there's things that he's doing when he plants his foot and he shakes his head and he tricks safeties. And suddenly he turns around and there's nobody around him for 15 yards. Well, and, and Mike, you know, earlier on in the show, I was talking about how it used to drive me nuts that, that Goody and LaFleur, they'd always, we need our wide receivers to be able to block. We need them to be able to, it's, it's a prerequisite to play in this offense. And I would get frustrated. It's like, man, we need some dynamic pass catchers. Forget about blocking. And it occurred to me, yeah, they want guys who can block Mike, but maybe, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a sign. If a wide receiver is willing to block and mix it up and be engaged on plays where he's not getting the ball, what else does that say about the player? Right. That that means they're probably a better teammate. They're a little more selfless. Right. So that's something that really didn't occur to me this week. And it seems to be true of of all the guys, Jaden Reed, all the way down to Malik Heath. And something that I didn't realize right at the top, because, you know, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about dead cap money and those kinds of things. I'm yeah. looking for football players. I'm looking for football teams that run winning plays. I'm looking for leadership. I'm looking for people that like to hit other people. And something I didn't was reminded of this week is that when you have seen the Packers' offensive line and this rotating competition between, say, Rasheed Walker and Yash Nyman, mm -hmm. left tackle, and then you might see, you know, Nyman miss a block and someone get around him and go after the quarterback and say, ah, missed assignment, right? And, and the same thing at the right guard position because they're working in second-year man Sean Ryan, big kid, at guard. He played some left guard for Elton Jenkins and did quite well when Elton – 
uh, had to leave with a shoulder injury or the soreness of coming back from the ACL. But now they've been rotating him with John Runyon. Runyon, who's been here now three years, four years, he's going on, on to a contract year. And the point is, I learned that, you know what, Runyon and Nyman, my Nyman's making $4 million as it is. They want to find their replacements that are cheaper. They want to find their replacements on guys that are on first or second years in their contracts, and they're going to draft a left tackle and another guard and maybe another center as well in this upcoming draft. And so as, as much as a, I think he's a solid, steady, uh, and also a good source of the media, John Runyon at mm-hmm. right guard, they're running a lot of Sean Ryan in there because it's like if we can get a guy that's as good or maybe even a little better and cheaper, they're making those moves. And I – I, I don't remember that happening in the past, but they're they're doing those things while they're in a 500 season. It's you know? not it's not normal, Packers fans, by the way, to rotate O linemen in a game. No. Like I, I've I've talked to football guests that have come on the show this year that aren't Packers fans. There's like I've never seen them do that before. They were doing it against the defending world champ Chiefs while they yeah. were beating them on yeah. Sunday Night Football. That's not normal. No, no, and 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 Mike McCarthy and now Matt Lafleur both have done a very good job. I'm making sure they've got eight guys that can play, you know, five different positions. You know, the, the guys on the bench can play guard, tackle, and there's at least two others that can play center. And so McCarthy did that. Joe Philbin did that with his offensive line coach. And that, can, that tradition continues in Green Bay. Maybe it's something that the GM pushes when they're assembling those coaches. Uh, so then today, Jaden Reed, number 11, just to me the most gifted, really, of all these guys and consistent and available – he comes over to his locker, and he's got on a silly child, a kid's helmet. I think they've been signing it or autographs. So he pops it on. It's really tight, kind of funny. You're probably going to see it on the TV news tonight. And we said, so how much did the third down pass to Romeo Dobbs in that opening drive go from you know, Aaron Jones being stopped twice for minus two yards and then a penalty on the Cowboys? Suddenly, you guys, it was it, – on, on the first third down of the game, it was all Packers for the rest of the afternoon. How much does that give you guys the momentum? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, whether you're down or up, I, I believe one play could change a game. Uh, you know, uh, Jordan did a great job of finding Rome. Rome did a great job of running his route, you know, being where he was supposed to be and, and made that play. And that obviously had our momentum for the rest of the game. So um, just those, just one play can change a game. So I'm trying to get you guys off your timing. The 49ers jam you at the line. Will they go after your quarterback? Uh, just sticking to the game plan. You know, we plan around everything they do all week. And, uh, you know, all we got to do is execute and, and do our job and, you know, all be on one heartbeat. So uh, that's the goal for, for this week, you know, in order to compete and, you know, take care of business. It did feel like that first completion to Dobbs at the beginning, a little bit of a deep breath because they advanced on a penalty and Aaron Jones wasn't really getting any space and it was loud in the building. And that first completion to, to Dobbs, which put him in about midfield, that did feel like oh, deep breath. Okay, we're fine. All of these receivers are unselfish. I, I, there's no indication of them whining like, get me the damn ball. And, uh, and they, I mean, Bo Melton, for crying out loud, gets uh, you know applauded and patted on his back when he is the leading receiver, you know, in a win a couple of weeks ago. And LaFleur even knows that. He says, you don't see that. And I asked Jaden Reed, how's it all you guys, you know what it is? They're all in their first year or second year. They're all competing because they know there's a, a cut coming someday. It's almost like the endless training camp mm-hmm. on who's going to be on this receiver core next year. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think it, it, it takes one. I think it takes all, you know, no matter what the age is. If we're all together and we stick together and help each other, uh, that's what's just going to help us, you know, 
do what we need to do and do our job and execute. It's also pretty hard to be unhappy when you're a rookie and your first NFL experience is getting hot at the right time and going and beating the Dallas Cowboys on national TV. Like, and you ask Love, <laughs> are you like trying to distribute the ball? Because uh, how can Reed be the top receiver one week? And then Bo Melton up from the practice squad the day before. And now Romeo Dobbs in the big game against the Cowboys. Uh, I think it just plays out that way. Um, you never really know who's going to have the big game uh, for us in the receiver room. Uh, you know, you have plays dialed up for some guys, and um, other times it's kind of just the, the looks we get defensively, who might be catching the ball. But, um, you know, I think the mindset, they all want uh, I think it just plays out that way. Want the ball, they all expect the ball in every play, um, and that's what's helping them be successful and going out there and making plays when the, the ball's coming their way. That's what you want, Mike. You want, you want an offense where guys get open? and you want a quarterback that throws the ball to the open guy. That's the path of least resistance to winning a football game, Mike. Why would you do it any differently, you know? Right. So, you know, in all honesty, now, Saturday night, it'll be 5.15 out there on the West Coast, 7.15 in Wisconsin. Um, Expect the 49ers to get out there, and Christian McCaffrey is going to be driving down, and, you know, Debo is going to make a nice third down reception to move the chains and get a first down, and, There'll be some time of possession from the 49ers. And, you know, the Packers will be out there, and maybe they'll have a nice drive, but it ends in a field goal. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Packers will be trailing, and they're probably going to walk off the field losers, but uh, hopefully a respectable showing and not blown out like uh, they did to the Cowboys. On the other hand, if these guys beat the 49ers, it's epic. Yeah. It's And now it's – I mean, I think these guys could go into Detroit and win the NFC Championship, don't you? Oh, uh, if that, yeah, if this all happens, you said epic. I will name my first son Jordan Love Bills. If, the, if that, yeah, happens. yeah, like that's that's the stuff that, that we're talking and, about. Yes. And you know something? That's what Lafleur is going to be saying to him tomorrow night at the team hotel. You, look how close you are, and maybe brings up the Dan Marino story. You know? Yeah. What well, you should. I, I also don't want this to get lost on these guys. Like I know they're they're ahead of schedule, but you don't know when you get this far. You only yeah. get so many opportunities. You're two doorsteps away, man. Yeah. You're two doorsteps away. So, whatever, it's going to be entertaining to find out what happens. Safe travels, Mike. Enjoy California. Look forward to talking to you, let's see, Saturday night on the postgame show maybe, and then obviously early next week. Hopefully they're still alive. The Packers still playing. You bet. Thanks, Grant. Mike Clemens on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Let's take our final break. Three minutes. We're back after this on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate Mike Clemens. Appreciate his time. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already. At Mike Clemens NFL. It's headed out to San Francisco tomorrow morning. He told me his flight's at like 10. So not too early. But then you're headed west. So let's see, you're picking up time. Okay, hopefully not too long of a travel day for Mike tomorrow. Although I think Santa Clara is a little bit of a trip from San Francisco. So... I don't know. It's not like I'm going to lose sleep over Mike traveling. He travels all the time, but man, it's got to be tired. He does this every week. Anyways, thanks to Mike Clemens on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Hey, if you are a Madison listener, W-O-Z-N, get over to Monks in Sun Prairie, Temple in Heilprin. Starting in just a couple minutes, they'll be there live until 7, Jesse and Zach. You will not find two better voices to talk about the Badgers, whether it's basketball or football. 
Luke Fickle just keeps bringing in guys. Badgers basketball, with the exception of Penn State the other night. They just keep winning. This team's awesome. I love him. We talked about him yesterday with Zach. Uh, and, and there's just so many good things going on with that team. So maybe we'll get back to Badgers basketball. We'll preview Indiana a little bit tomorrow night. But stop out to Monk's drink specials, food specials, lots of TVs to watch all the games. I'm watching some college basketball right now. Minnesota, Michigan State. But we're focused on Wisconsin as our Zach and Jesse Temple and Heilprin coming up next. I'll talk to you all tomorrow at four. Never, 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 never miss a Friday show.